0: Good morning everyone, beautiful day, I'd like to have all of you turn if you have your scriptures to Luke chapter 2, our scripture lesson is going to come from this passage, at least the main thought this morning is going to come from this passage. This is a very famous passage and I'm guessing many of us here probably could recite from memory, but there's one word in this passage that leaped out at me this last year as I was studying the gospel of Luke that I've been reflecting on for quite a while now and I'm going to challenge all of us to reflect on it today. So in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8, and in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now all of you know where this is going. And an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and stood before them. You know, people who do quantum physics, they are always trying to figure out, is there another dimension somewhere? Is there a you know, a black hole that someone can go through where you can find another dimension. Well, here we have an angel coming out of the heavenly dimension. We're not sure exactly what that looks like. onto our dimension, and now something supernatural is going to happen. So an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. I guess so, not a daily occurrence. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all of the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you that you guys will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there appeared an angel of multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased. Verse 15. Now these guys' reaction to this supernatural occurrence in their life. It came about that when the angel had gone away, the shepherds began to say to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's check this thing out. Let's see if the angel is legit and if what they said is real. And let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Something supernatural was made known to them. So they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lion in a manger in verse 16. And when they had seen this, they made known to everyone there, Mary and Joseph and the animals and anyone else who was around, all that they had heard, the statements about the Christ child. In verse 18, And all who heard it wondered. All who heard it wondered at the things that they were told, them by the shepherds. And then this wonderful verse about Jesus' mother, Mary treasured these things in her heart, pondering them, and the shepherds then went back. That word, wondered, jumped off the page at me this last year. And I sat in my little chair in the front room, and I asked myself, Okay, Dan, when's the last time you've had a little bout of wonder? And let me ask all of you, when's the last time you had one of those moments in life where maybe not it wasn't so dramatic that your breath was taken away, but you, you, you sat there and you thought, oh my gosh, something really significant happened. Because wonder is being present enough in our bodies and our spirits in any given moment of time to recognize that something miraculous just happened right in front of our face. So when's the last moment that that happened with you? my wife and I and the first thing that came to my mind was a picture of my our middle son. Uh, Judy and I have three grown sons and this is Landon and his very pregnant wife Tiffany who are going to give us our first grandson in the next two weeks. How great is that? I'm looking at this audience, you have a lot of grandchildren out here represented. And I don't remember, I don't know if you remember the very first time when you were able to go and they send us these half gigabyte videos of their ultrasound. And so we get a chance to see the baby move in a little red line that says this is an arm and a hand which we could figure out. And then you hear the ch- ch- the heartbeat. And I literally look at that thing and I tear up and I'm just full of wonder at how fearfully and wonderfully made that little kid is. Now my passion, my calling in the second half of life is to do everything I can to use my energy, energy to try to build a generation of integrity-filled men and women. Men and women who live authentically based on who they are and they make a contribution on the planet. And so I spend a lot of time with leaders trying to figure out what is unique to leadership? Why are some leaders better than others? What are the intangibles of leadership? Because there are basics of leadership you got to be able to understand people and cast vision and do strategy and all that kind of stuff. But as you get to know individuals, you find out certain intangible surface where you realize there's something unique about that woman or there's something unique about that guy. And there's a really good book written called The Intangibles of Leadership where Dr. Davis lists 10 intangibles of leadership where he talks about some of the things that really excellent leaders have is they have a certain spirit of wisdom. You know, they have integrity. They have a certain persistence or... They have self-efficacy where they humble themselves and they don't exalt themselves all the time. They have a certain fortitude, a certain vulnerability concerning their fallible. Listen, I think we need today leaders who are able to live above all of the craziness of our world. If we ever needed people who are buoyant of spirit, I mean, just think today. In the the aftermath of the the earthquakes in Mexico, the ravaging of the hurricanes through Florida and through Houston, the aftermath of the California fires. Think about what, it, what people need after the shootings in Las Vegas or the New York City mow down this last, you know, just recently or the shootings that are happening on campuses. We all are very attentive to all the craziness and insanity that goes on around us. We're even aware, because we live in our own skin, of the tension and the frustration that happens in our own inner worlds. And yet every so often I bump into a leader who has this rare intangible that they manage their lives and they live in their faith in such a way that they have a buoyancy to see above the clouds and to have joy and to have hope. And it's like their their spirit is captured by all these different wondrous moments that life brings. Because if you want to see bad and get negative... Easy to look out there. If you want to see good and wonder, there's plenty of that too. It kind of depends on where we focus. Now, I know myself, I am probably more familiar with the thieves of wonder than I am with wonder itself. And let me ask you if, any, if you ever bump into any of these thieves, if they ever visit you, how many of us sometimes our spirit of wonder is robbed by whining? Life is so hard. I know none of us have ever said that. Or maybe sometimes wonder is just lost because things are heavy. You get weighed down, busy with responsibility. There's so much to be done. There's so much suffering and pain in the world. And I just get worn out with the needs of people. Or maybe sometimes worry robs wonder from you. And your heart gets, your spirit gets filled with fear. And fear is, we must remember, is only one possible outcome to our current circumstances. There's always a better thing than just being afraid. Or maybe just whatever. You know, you get to a point where there's kind of a cynicism of spirit. You lose the the joy of life and you think, ah, there's just too much resistance. I, I, I can't move forward. Things aren't moving forward. People never change and you kind of get cynical. Probably most of us are far more familiar with the thieves of wonder than living with this rare leadership intangible of having a spirit of wonder and a buoyancy of spirit. I hope that uh, I don't fall in the category that Jesus mentioned a long time ago. Jesus wondered at times. And there's a wonderful verse in uh, Mark chapter 6 where Jesus wondered at their unbelief. I hope he doesn't look at me. And what fills his heart with wonder is kind of how my head's down in my unbelief. So what I'm going to do is just ask all of you to do a little personal self-assessment. And I want you to look at these five things, whining, weighed down, whatever, worn out and worrying. And I want you to take 30 seconds and... Come clean to the person next to you and say, That one right there is the number one thief of wonder in my heart. So you got 30 seconds. Just go ahead, share with one another. All right, let's do a little congregational survey here. How many said that worrying is the number one thing that takes away? Just give me a little hand raise here. Okay, that's interesting. How many of you said whining? Sometimes, yeah, I just kind of whine. Just a couple. All right, way to go for being honest there. How many of you, it's just the weighed down part of life, just the day after day? How many sometimes just get to the point where you maybe you work with people and you see the downside of human nature and you just get to whatever? People never change. Wow. Very interesting. And worn out? Yeah. We Okay. How many of you want more wonder? I think all of us do. You want more wonder? I'm going to give you a couple of ideas of how to expand your heart with the, this wonder quotient. I think number one, if we want to have more wonder, we need to dissect our own story. And the key phrase here is we need to replay our own individual story often and deeply because wonder is often found when we ponder how did we get from there to here? And when we slow down and reflect on that, we almost always are captured by the wonder of, oh my gosh, God was, being, was involved in moving me from there to here. And if I would just stop and think about that, I would be captured by wonder. Now, we see this is true in the Apostle Paul's life. The Apostle Paul had an awesome story. And he loved to tell it. And he would tell it often, and he would think about it deeply, and he would write it to young Timothy. Most of us are very familiar with Acts chapter 9, how Paul was going to Damascus to persecute Christians, and God shows up, a light comes from heaven and knocks him down, and Paul says, Who art thou? And the voice says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, and Paul says, What do you want? And, I mean, it's just an unbelievable story. So I want you to, if you have your scriptures, look at Luke, uh, Acts chapter 22, just to give you one illustration of this to see how the Apostle Paul, when he, was, when he replayed his story, I have to believe that the wonder quotient in his own mind just expanded. So in Acts chapter 22, the Apostle Paul is in Jerusalem, and he's being falsely accused, and uh, he kind of gets arrested, and he gets an opportunity to stand before the people and make some defense. And so in Acts 22, he says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense which I now offer to you, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the, in the Hebrew dialect, they all became more quiet. And he said, listen, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus. I'm educated under Gamaliel. I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. And then he says, I was even on this way persecuting the way to death. And uh, I had received letters in verse 5 from the council in order to persecute them. And then in verse 6 he says, it came about that I was on the way approaching Damascus about noon a very bright light flashed from heaven all around me in verse 6. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I can imagine Saul pa- paused for a second there. And people said, "Woo, a voice from heaven. Why are you persecuting me? And I wonder if in that moment Paul wasn't just, you've got to be kidding me, like heaven intervened in my life. Whoa. And he said, I fell to the ground, and I heard this voice say to me that. And I said, well, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the Nazarene whom you're persecuting. And those who were with me, they beheld the light, to be sure, but they didn't understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? Because I'm there right now. And the Lord said, I want you to arise, go into Damascus, and you will be told what has been appointed to you. And there will be a man named Ananias there who's going to pray for you. So he goes into that town, and Ananias prays for him. And says to him, listen, in verse 14, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the utterance of his mouth and you will be his witness. And I just can't imagine that Paul says that and he says, unbelievable, I went from on the road to Damascus, I was there, to now I'm here risking my life for this supernatural God that collided in my life. Whoa. We feel this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 when he's writing to Timothy. Listen to these verses. He writes to young Timothy, and he's replaying his story. He's dissecting his story. He's saying it one more time. He says to Timothy in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, I thank the Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was, that's who I was, I was over there I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy hmm. because I acted in ignorance. And the grace of the Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love that are in Jesus. And it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost it's all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy as in me as foremost. Jesus might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example. And I'm sure Paul put down the pen there, and he just thought, this is a heck of a thing. That I am someone who was there, and now I'm here, and I've received grace, and I've received mercy, and I've been called, and I had this mission. And what happens inside of him is really very interesting. The next verse, in verse 17, Paul erupts in worship. He says, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. So, when's the last time you replayed your story? When you took some time and you dissected it. Because I think about my story. And when I slow down enough to reflect on it, I just shake my head. Because I think about my story. How did me in ninth grade at five feet five, 185 pounds, who would roll to class and roll out of class, go from there to being six feet four and a college athlete? How did me go from being an adaptive PE in middle school to being the team captain of a high school basketball team that played for a state championship in Southern California? How did I go from remedial reading class in high school to a published author of multiple books? How did I go from being incredibly relationally insecure and intimidated by strength, I was there, to being a mentor to CEOs and presidents and negotiating conflict and doing what I do today. How did I go from scoring low on my ACT score, because I didn't test well, to being a distinguished visiting scholar in a Ph.D. program at a university outside of Chicago? How did I go from being spiritually lost and confused as a 17-year-old high school kid to receiving the grace of God in this stadium when I was 17 years old. How in the world did I end up in Angel Stadium? Is that a great place to find the Lord? How did I, how did I get to Angel Stadium? And how did I listen to a man named Billy Graham And how did I hear the gospel for the first time in my life? I don't remember one authentic Christian kid on my high school campus. There was no ministry. And God gets me to Angel Stadium. And through the mouth of this wonderful evangelist, I understand that Jesus loved me. And I went forward to third base. You can see third base in Angel Stadium right there. Mike Trout is sliding into third base. He hit a triple. I sit on third base, and my life was changed. How in the world did that happen? Think about your story. When I think about that, folks, hmm, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. I think this is part of the reason why the apostle Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you might know, really understand the hope of the calling that we have. Because it's a spiritual thing that God does in our spirits to wake us up to an awareness of what God has done for us. And David said, listen, we got to remember his wonders. And so if we want to increase the wonder quotient in our lives, and you think about the right people coming into your life, the right experiences, all the right things that happen. This week I, I challenge you, just replay your story with someone. Tell your grandkids, tell your kids, tell your spouse again. Honey, I know you've heard this before, but just sit quiet with me for a minute. And let's replay our stories, and let's just be silent in the presence of God for a few minutes. And let's worship him, rather than just getting sucked into all the insanity that's around us. It's possible to live that way. So that would be the first thing we can do. The second thing we can do, if we want more wonder, would be to enter the story of others. To be humble enough, to have enough room inside of us, because humility always creates space, have enough room inside of us to hear the story of other people and to celebrate who they are and how they got to where they are. And over my 40 years of ministry, I've had umpteen opportunities to enter other people's story. This kid right here, his name is Robbie Schwartz. And Tony Schwartz is a student who came to Christ as a sophomore in high school. Now he's in his 50s, and he has an amazing ministry in Las Vegas at a wonderful church. And he has three wonderful kids, and Robbie, his oldest son, was born, almost died during the birth process, had a diaphragm problem that affected him, and Robbie is five feet six, and he's basically deaf. And I watched Tony go from a very proud, intense A type leader to have his heart transformed, fathering Robbie. And it's been an amazing thing to watch. And I've watched Robbie, who has all these disabilities and challenges, Work and work and work and work. And he's like the El Tuve of high school football. Because I, a couple years ago, he's now a sophomore at Wheaton College, and he plays defensive back, and he's a punt returner. And he's five foot six, nothing. But you look in the weight room, and in Wheaton College's weight room, they have a who is the strongest kid on the football team based on weight and height. And guess who's number one? Robbie Schwartz. And the guys love him on the team. And a few years ago when he was a senior, I got a chance to watch him in Las Vegas play football. He was an all-state punt returner and an all-state defensive back. And I can <laughs> I get a chance to enter into Tony's life and to Robbie's life, and I shake my head. Tony sends me this video clip. That's Robbie in the middle, getting ready to try to defend a six-foot-two, two hundred and twenty-five-pound wide receiver. And Tony just sends me these little video clips of Robbie. Watch Robbie defend this kid, and then you're going to hear the voice of Tony at the very end cheer on Robbie. Just watch this. Oh, you know what? We do have sound. Doggone it. This was totally my fault. I told the guys that we did not have sound. Watch him. And Tony, his dad, yells, that a boy, Robbie, that a boy. And when I watched that clip, I was sitting in my chair. I turned off that thing, and I just sat quiet. And I wondered about a 5-foot, 6-inch kid who's playing football at Wheaton College and about a kid who's transformed his dad's life. There are these amazing things that happen in all sorts of people's lives. This last week, I was captured by George Springer and listening to his story. Who Here's a guy who was stuttered when he was young. He was uh, picked on. He was bullied. He was shy. He was made fun of. And he found his solace in playing baseball. And he's real involved in, say, the Stuttering Association for the Young. And this last week, George Springer, the stuttering, stuttering kid, was the MVP of the World Series. And set records. He hit 379, 29 total bases, hit five home runs. Unbelievable. And I just thought about that kid stuttering, hitting home run after home run, getting on base after base. I just thought, this is unbelievable. I had the joy of entering this guy's story, and I was full of wonder. Whose story have you entered into in this last month? When you sat, maybe maybe you heard it and you sat there quiet. And you just thought, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. And you were just, you're the wonder factor raised. I had the joy of being Brian's brother. Brian and, my, and uh, our mom moved in to live with us seven years ago. They both passed three years ago. And I so I had four years with Brian before he died, real up close. And I got a chance to enter his story. I got a chance to hang out with his posse, as you can see on the right. You could write a sitcom with these guys. They were wonderful. Each one had an incredible personality. You can see Brian had Down syndrome, and he was challenged, and he didn't have a lot to offer, but he would bring everything he had in any given minute of time. And I got to take him with me when I would speak to places. So we did a men's retreat together, and I'd have Brian open in prayer, and he would stumble through a prayer. And men were incredibly gracious, just like the brothers would have been yesterday if Brian would have been with us. And he stand up and thank you, thank you Lord for my brother Dan help. Help him speak clearly and uh, be with him. I I think that's all. Amen. <laughs> you know, he'd utter a prayer like that and all the guys would cheer. And I'd stand up and I'd do everything I could to try to challenge these guys to think about their life and become better men, better husbands, more integrity-filled leaders in their, in their cities. And so he's at a retreat with me and we're just hanging out together. I'm doing all the speaking. And we come in for the third message and Brian is sitting in the front row. And the retreat that we did was in central Michigan. And so most of these guys had beers and were wearing camo and had loaded weapons in their trucks. This was a bunch of dudes. And a I, 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 guy taps me on the back and I turn around and here's a guy in a hoodie camo. He's got a big salt and pepper beard, kind of long hairy. looks like he's about 60 years old. And he said to me, hey, I want to thank you for bringing your brother with you this week. And he points to Brian sitting there. And <laughs> I said, that's really been fun, hasn't it? Thanks for welcoming him. He goes, Yeah, no problem. He said, I have a younger brother. I said, Really? He said, Yeah. Um, he's dying. He's going to be dead in a month. I said, I'm sorry. He looked down, he looked up at me, and he says this. He says, I've been estranged from my brother for 30 years. 30 years ago, we got into an argument. That was mainly my fault. And I've completely shut him out of my life. I said, I'm sorry. He said, I just thought I'd let you know something. He said, I called my brother this afternoon. I said, what happened? Did he hang up on you? He said, no. He said, I apologize to my brother. I said, I'm sorry for being an idiot for 30 years. Will you forgive me? I said, did he forgive you? He said, yeah, he forgave me. And I asked him, I said, because I'm retired, I said, buddy, can I come stay with you for the next month to kind of walk you from here to the grave? And my brother said, that would be great. And so when I leave on Monday, I'm going to go spend the next month with my brother. And this is what he said. He said, I just want you to know that I made the call, and he points to Brian, my brother. He said, because I want a relationship like Brian has with you. I was speechless. I stood there and I said, thank you. And he walked away and I looked at Brian. And I thought, I'm killing myself to prepare messages to challenge these guys. Brian shows up and God uses him. How awesome is that? How wondrous is it to be part of of my brother's story." Oh, oh man. Whose story are you part of? Who's unlike you? That you just, ah, you hang out with him, you walk away, and you just shake your head. So there's wonder everywhere. So the key word there is to enter. Key word is replay your own story, enter other people's story. And then one more thought that I think can increase wonder I think it has to do with create more white space in your life. White space are those moments when you disengage and you slow down and you create room inside of you, space where great thoughts and ideas and moments of wonder can visit you. Because we can get lost in the tyranny of the pace of modern culture and just go, 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 go. go. And we never have a time to really slow down It's important that we do. And we can do this like through window time is what I call it. Some of you will remember Jack Welch who was the great CEO, legendary CEO of of GE. Jack Welch had a discipline where he he had window time every day. You think you're busy? Go run GE for a week. He took an hour a day and turned off the phone and closed his door and he did window time where he would look out the window for an hour and he would just ponder life. He'd think about relationships. He'd think about what's going on in his family. He'd think about the company. He just created space for him to slow down, because he said that if I don't do that, my life drifts towards mediocrity, and I don't want to live a mediocre life. And I think window time, white space, creates that opportunity for us not to live a mediocre life. And the greatest quote on mediocrity is from Brian Wilson, the great Beach Boy. He says, beware the lollipop of mediocrity. Lick it once and you will suck forever. That is a great quote. That quote is worth wondering about. Where you just look at that and you think, hmm. So white space window times is important. I think white space walks where we slow down. As silly and as romantic as it is to say, when have you smelled a rose recently? When have you paused and looked at the wonder of color? I live in a town in Michigan where we have this tulip festival where every year we plant a million tulips of all sorts of different colors. I never get tired of driving down that road and looking at all these different colors of tulips. And I just silently drive that pathway. And I wonder about creation. When's the last time you really looked at a sunset where you saw the pink edges of the clouds or you saw the moon come up We saw a rainbow yesterday, and you just were quiet enough in your spirit to say, life is an amazing thing. God is a good God. And I know the world's full of craziness and sin, but thank you, God, now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. So you want more wonder? give you a couple ideas. Parents, how about today you see the miracle, not the mess? Now, listen, all of us who parent, we live close enough to our kids, we can delineate the mess in spades. When's the last time you saw the miracle on the other side of the mess where you looked at them and you hugged them and you felt their ribs and you smelled their hair at night when you tuck them into bed and you just thought, this is amazing? And honey or sweetheart or buddy or pal or son or daughter, you are a miracle. And I love you. And I would give my life for you. And I'm full of wonder at how God would entrust you to us or to me to care for you. Now, sometimes we are full of wonder on the other side, like, why did God give them? To, but, you know, we're, we're working on the positive side here. So parents, I think spouses, sometimes we're so different we hit. Listen, that person sitting next to you chose you. Now, wives, this is a chance to elbow your husband. That's right, pal. I told you a long time ago. You should be grateful. I tell my wife all the time, honey, you could have done better. And depending on how I'm doing, sometimes she'll say, yeah, you're right, but I'm hanging with you, pal. We're too, we're too far in now, 43 years to, to bail. But really, the wonder of another person committing their life to you, it's amazing. How about friends? Friends are imperfect, certainly. But a friend is someone who actually thinks about you when you're not with them, and they care about you. Think about how few people woke up this morning and have thought about you in a positive way. And how many friends you have that have thought about you in a positive way that have actually been willing to share their resources with you and help meet your needs at times and cared for you, prayed for you, provided for you, sat with you, babysat for you. Hmm. Amazing. What about church? You know, we sit here today. Every single time we gather, it can be somebody's miracle day. This morning can be Angel Stadium 1969 for someone in this room. You can be Dan Webster in 1969 this morning sitting there. And today, maybe just like the Holy Spirit spoke to me, The Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, hey, why don't you get over yourself? Why don't you give up your, you know, defeating lifestyle? And why don't you surrender your life to my love and my grace? Do you realize every time we gather, it can be a miracle day for somebody? We should all come in every Sunday morning with that sense of wonder. God, what are you going to do? Who is it today? Is it her? Is it him? And pray, go get him. And then you pray for Pastor Steve. Be even better today. Nature. Take a walk. Message. When you have the opportunity to hear somebody speak truth. How many times have you heard truth from this platform? I listened to Steve a couple weeks ago when he talked about grace only, faith only, Jesus only. I turned off the message and I thought about that. And I wondered about the truth of grace only, faith only, Jesus only. Darn right. Darn right. Maybe this week you can spend an hour with someone who's not like you and wonder at the joy of differences. Lots of wonder to have. And if we do that, you know, I think we become like Mary, you know, who who pondered these things in her heart. She treasured these things in her heart. And we can be like the people who heard the shepherds, whose hearts were captured by wonder. How fun would that be? All of us could use more wonder. And for me, I try to help coaches to, they, they have to be strategic. They have to hire and fire. They got to manage and create structure and strategy and all that kind of stuff. But I keep trying to help them to slow down. Listen, don't miss the miracle of life and the opportunity to add value in the middle of it all. And I pray that would be true for every one of us. Certainly beginning with me. Let's pray together as we end. So take a second. Maybe for some of you right now, maybe you just need to have a moment of quiet worship in your heart where you you are captured by wonder. And maybe you would pray, Lord, now listen, unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Lord, receive worship from my heart, and I'm thankful for my life. Maybe some of us here, we've been so cynical this last week. And Maybe we just got to kind of breathe out here and say, Lord, uh, I've had my head down. I'm sorry. Cleanse me, renew me, refresh me enlighten the eyes of my heart so I can live with more wonder this week? Maybe, wouldn't it be something if this morning was someone's miracle? Miracle morning. How cool would that be? Just respond to God. And if if that's you, obviously the altar's open. People will pray for you. You know, if you're in a tough situation, um, whatever the Spirit of God is prompting, just respond to him. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that thousands of years ago, angels spoke, shepherds heard, people listened, wonder filled the hearts of people, and things were different. Lord, help us to carry that intangible of wonder with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray.